A mysterious accident uncovers sabotage on the Enterprise. The Federation does have enemies. We must seek them out. A ruthless interrogator stops at nothing to find a traitor. I'm going to get to the heart of this conspiracy. I'll fight it. And Captain Picard becomes the target of a Starfleet witch hunt. I've brought down bigger men than you, Picard. Justice hangs in the balance on Star Trek The Next Generation. Welcome to Strange New Takes. I'm your host, Natch Karnik, and with me in a paranoid courtroom interrogating uh, Worf are Dinah McPhail, Max, Adam Bowen, and Emily Bowen Marler. Oh no, the Admiral walked out and left. I guess we gotta leave now and the show's over because why, why do we have to go on once the Admiral leaves? <laughs> He's out. <laughs> right? Uh, so. <laughs> Strange New Takes is a Star Trek themed pod. And I don't remember what I was going to say after that. So, hey, that's pretty much all you need to know. <laughs> it's about we Star Trek. It. You need to know that. <laughs> I just now realize I'm supposed to do this part. And yeah, so we've been covering Lower Decks and no, not Strange New Worlds because Strange New Worlds isn't out yet. But we mm -mm. were we were covering mm -mm. Discovery, mm -hmm. covering Discovery. Interesting. Um, but you know now we don't have new track happening right now, so we're changing things up and we're focusing on a Moral Dilemma series. And today we're going to be taking a look at the incredible Drumhead. I guess it's just the Drumhead. It's an incredible episode, though. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so yeah, make sure to follow us on social media. That's at Strange New Takes. Uh, we use that same name on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And if you enjoy listening to the podcast, please go ahead and tell your friends about it. If you don't, uh, we may or may not have to go ahead and subject you to a drumhead trial. <laughs> boom, 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 boom. No. And do us a favor. Go to iTunes, if you will. I know, I know, you haven't used iTunes in decades. Neither have we. But please, just go on there. Give us a five-star rating. Type up whatever you want. I will read all our five-star reviews on this show. So, uh, but do that because what happens is when someone searches for a new Star Trek podcast to listen to, uh, the better rated podcasts show up top. So we, we, we would really appreciate your help in getting a better rating. And the time has come, my friends, for the obligatory spoiler warning. This episode was released in 1991, uh, so when, and when it was released in April, my 30-year-old little brother was a month old. So just a heads up, it's been out for a long time. If you don't want to be spoiled, don't listen. We won't think less of you, but we would think much more of you if you would just stick with it um, and hang out with us. So there we go. That's all. And next week on the Moral Dilemma series is going to be a original series episode, The City on the Edge of Forever, in many, many Star Trek lists. This is one of the top three episodes of Star all of Star Trek. So we're going to be covering it next week. Watch it uh, and then listen to our episode. And also, if you have thoughts on the episode yourself and the moral dilemmas within it, feel free to reach out to us on social media. But okay, so this week, it's the fourth episode of the uh, or the 21st episode of the fourth season of the Star Trek Next Generation. First aired on 29th April 1991, as Dinah just said. It's written by mm -hmm. Jerry Taylor, directed by the one, the only, the beard, Jonathan Frakes. <laughs> 
All right, Max, what happened in this episode? All right. Um, so this is, I just have to say, first of all, one of my favorite episodes. I'm not going to give my rating yet because I want you to listen to the end of the podcast here, but um, this is an all-time great. And so what we have here is basically um, a fear of conspiracy unfolding on the Enterprise. So we start with a dilithium chamber hatch that explodes in the warp core. At the same time, we have news that the Romulans have gained information about the Enterprise's dilithium articulation frame. So connecting the dots here, uh, this leads to speculation that there is a spy on board the Enterprise. This kicks off an investigation that turns up one key suspect, Jadan, who is a Klingon exchange officer. And basically things kind of spiral out of control. He uh, eventually admits to sharing information uh, via a fancy, um, what is it, hypo spray that he has that can somehow uh, yeah. Yeah, encode information into uh, biological material, which is super cool. Um, but there, there's speculation that there are sort of additional traders on the Enterprise. And to aid in this investigation... Um, the venerable Admiral Nora Satie shows up, uh, teams up with Picard, and they begin interrogate, interrogating the crew. Uh, eventually, we get to crewman Simon Tarses, who, uh, through the help of the Admiral's uh, Betazoid helper, we figure out is lying or, or is hiding something while he's on the stand. Uh, turns out that he sort of... Uh, faked his Starfleet um, Academy application materials, um, and his grandfather was Romulan rather than Vulcan, uh, leading to, obviously, his career kind of being um, on ice at that point. Uh, this is really where the investigation um, should end in a lot of ways. Essentially, we learn that the explosion in the warp core um, was an accident, that there was no sabotage that happened there. And yet um, the admiral that's present continues kind of pushing for um, greater and greater sort of interrogation of crew members, which leads to an awesome kind of moral battle between her and Picard, mm -hmm. um, kind of this you know classic question of freedom versus security, um, which emphasis do we place on, on kind of which side? And in the end, uh, again, you know, I'll just go ahead and spoil this for you. Uh, of course, Picard comes out on top. He's correct. <laughs> um, <laughs> he destroys uh, Satie by quoting uh, her father, who himself was a very famous Federation judge, uh, and yeah, uh, wins the day in in the end here. Wait, wait. So you're saying the 22nd episode doesn't start with Satie and the captain's chair being like, "I'm in charge like, now." <laughs> now I'm in charge. <laughs> We're gonna go around executing out. traitors. Yeah, okay. <laughs> All right, folks. Great summary. Thank you, Max. Gang, your strange new takes on this episode and other things, please. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, okay, so this is the whole thing where we're supposed to, like, read that our names are in a particular order, order. so <laughs> yeah. it's, uh, now it's my turn. So, uh, for, to, to, as we talked about before, it's important for us to remain, like, relatable, grounded people, uh, and so... Uh, I'm going to give you my, my real world strange new take. I am casting my eyes about for a thing that I can talk about. Uh, and that thing is going to be, uh, you know, it's, sometimes it's just really nice to write with 
a fountain pen on some high quality paper. So we're, we live in this world of like super high digital, whatever, everything. Like I'm a software programmer. So I, I uh, am definitely using all sorts of apps to like keep track of everything. But sometimes I feel like I think better on paper. So do that. It's great. Um, I love it. You're, you're like your common, like I'm going to be relatable, relatable to the common man. It's like, you have ever tried a fountain pen on high quality yeah. paper, <laughs> archival notebooks? <laughs> just, just like the common man, I too have a $47 <laughs> pen. And <laughs> 47 There we go. There we go. You, you, you saw my reference. Uh, okay. So for, for the episode, uh, as we've talked about, this is an incredible uh, episode of Star Trek, but there was one thing that kind of that really that kind of bothered me in this episode, um, and one of the things that like just doesn't age well uh, in this that I think. Uh, so we we have this 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 admiral who come comes aboard, and I mean she looks like a super badass, like ha- has like clearly has all these credentials, but kind of every time we have a reference to her sort of legal background and like why she's doing these things we have to talk about her dad mm-hmm. and how great her dad was at law and things like that and like how her dad uh, taught her all these things and like did all these things with her brothers uh and i i just i feel like uh yeah i mean it's definitely uh par for the course for something 30 years ago but <laughs> i uh it's it's just it's a little disappointing to watch like an incredible episode of star trek and it's just uh we we can't respect the woman for anything except for that she had a great dad. Um, <laughs> well, and, so and that's my strange take. We, we'll cover this when we talk just, about I the writing and the ending and too. So yeah, we'll talk yeah. about more. Yeah, Diana, go ahead. It's your so turn. So for my super relatable real life strange take, it's actually uh, really related to Star Trek. This uh, this week was a week for sixth graders of um, not fucking doing their homework at all. <laughs> and then emailing me at 8 p.m. being like, I don't know what the homework is. And I was like, it's on every single possible place platform that we use online. And it's also written in your homework planners. Don't email me at 8 p.m. And so I had to like give a long rant. Long enough that kids were like, how long is this rant going to be? I'm like, it's going gonna, it's gonna to go for as long as it needs to go. Kyle, all right, leave me alone. Um, and part of it was just like, guys, it kind of bums me out that you emailed me at 8 p.m. Why would that be? And one kid in the back of the room is like, because you're a person and you have a life and you're not checking your email at 8 p.m. And I was like, yes, thank you so much. I just want to be reading my book on the couch watching Deep Space Nine. And like, several kids in the group were like, oh, I love that show. So, like, there is hope in the nice. future for our great Deep Space Nine or Star Trek. Uh, Did they all get A's? Yeah, they I all agree. got bumped up. Like, like, okay, listen, I'm not mad at you anymore. You no know more for you. Yeah, listen, you're water. smart as fuck. Um, so that was my real life one. And then... Actually, so we'll talk about, like, not said we'll talk about this, but this is actually was going to be my strange new take anyway, and that relates directly to Bowen's. I actually think that this episode, kind of what, like what Bowen was talking about, uh, the very beginning of our show with Mariner and, like, the imposter syndrome and, like, smart people mm-hmm, feeling mm-hmm. like they have, so they have to be smart all the time, and, like, when it's, things are hard, they're like, peace out, bye. I didn't read this as being like Satie being like, uh, you need to respect me because of my dad because I'm a woman and he's a man. It was more like she's got this a big imposter syndrome thing going on where she wants to be as good as her dad was. And that's kind mm-hmm. of what my character note was. So I think it's I actually read this as more of like a, a treatise on how dangerous imposter syndrome can be when it's like packed, packed together with like a really recognizable name. So that was kind of how I read yeah. it. Yeah. Kind of anyway, but that's kind of okay, cool. I... the thing. Yeah. That, that, that's that's an interesting way to, to, to reframe it. So, yeah. Thanks for sharing. 
So you know how um, sometimes you'll be talking about something with a friend or a family member, and then all of a sudden you start getting ads about that thing yes. showing up on Facebook or Instagram, yes. and you're like, what the hell? And so like I've turned off my microphone on my Google app, you know, so it stops doing that. I mean, it's probably still recording me somehow because I don't think there's any way to escape it. But the strangest thing happened. Earlier this week, my coworker was talking about how his father-in-law loves to use fountain pens. <laughs> and then I was on Twitter and Austin Channing Brown talked about what she like posted a tweet about what people's favorite thing in their office was or something they just have to have in their office. And then her response was, wow, I had no idea. So many of you loved fountain pens. I'm going to have to look into getting one. And then Adam talks about fountain <laughs> pens on the podcast. So, and that can't be because Google recorded me. So I don't know what's going on in my life, but there's this crazy convergence. So I was a little shocked. So I don't know yeah, if you guys Google saw my face when Adam brought that, that earlier. <laughs> yeah, really, so. Could you please say fountain pen on your channel? Thank you. <laughs> and my uh, strange to take for the episode actually is going to kind of piggyback on what both Adam and Dinah said. I was watching this episode and was getting flashbacks to season four of The Crown. I don't know if mm -hmm. any of you watched The Crown, but um, Admiral Satie had strong, uh, had a strong resemblance to the way they portray Margaret Thatcher mm -hmm. in that season. Yeah. Um, and mm. e even down to the, my father was a great man and mm -hmm. like how she worked with side by side with her father. Mm -hmm. And yeah. anyway, it was just like, as I was watching, oh, I was like, this sounds like the way they wrote Margaret Thatcher in the crown. So yeah. yeah. I mean, this was written only a few years after Thatcher had been yeah. deposed. So, or maybe not even it like, it was the year. Yeah. No, yeah, 91 the, is when exactly. her, mm -hmm. her reign, well, not reign, but you know, <laughs> reign of terror ended. She wishes, uh, yeah. <laughs> your majesty. Yes. Okay, for my strange oh, please new don't, please don't do this. <laughs> the entire <laughs> episode must be in this voice. That's pretty. That's a pretty good impression, though. I gotta character. watch that season of The Crown. Though. I'm, I, I am pretty excited. I watched the first season; it was a little extra for me, so I couldn't deal. But like, yeah. I feel like with this season of The Crown, they're taking a lot of famous photographs of the royal family and essentially portraying them. So I, mm -hmm. that yeah. might be fun for me. Um. <laughs> Well, I'll leave that for my strange new take that I don't watch enough of The Crown. I have, <laughs> by the way, watched Olivia Coleman in um, the Mitchell and Webb situation and the Mitchell and Webb look. So she's done a lot of great mm -hmm. sketch comedy before um, becoming a, a Oscar winning actress. So you should she's her career. If I had a career in acting, her career is the one I would take is like do a lot of fun, hilarious stuff, then become a super serious actor playing the most like powerful woman famous. in the world. Um, <laughs> it'd be pretty great. Anyway, uh, let's talk about Star Trek and the fact that this episode essentially opens with a, a character we like saying our best friend uh, sorry no our chief of security is a Klingon <laughs> so there's no way we're racist towards Klingons <laughs> like, like, I have one Klingon friend excuse <laughs> right. me we all have you seen Warf right. over there's here no way. Like, Warf is on so many episodes of Star Trek don't you believe us now <laughs> right. Right. hello and we yell at him in every single one of them so it's basically right I, Mr. Jadon like no, Sorry, like get, game set a match. We are not racist, and I, I I'd like to believe that that is like, and that was like an intentional thing. I'm pretty sure it probably was to put it in there, just like so obviously in the beginning. But I thought that was hilarious. Anyway, 
In 91? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Really good. Asking a lot. You're so of, right. Uh, I'm so sorry. I never meant to, to, <laughs> to suggest. All right. Well, you know, let's let's get this conversation rolling. And and I guess, you know, I, I do want to get into sort of the specifics of obviously kind of the moral and ethical dilemmas here. But uh, maybe just to, to kind of kick things off, I'm curious just sort of what your, you know, your sort of reaction to this episode was seeing it, you know, again here mm-hmm. in 2021. Um, how, how was it kind of viewing this episode? We've got conspiracy theories running Mm -hmm. rampant right now in our world. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was the other strange new take I was possibly considering throwing out there is just like how much I am seeing Star Trek speak to what is happening in our world right now. And it doesn't matter what decade we're watching Star Trek from, you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just so there's this kind of timeless aspect to it. But um, and also and and, uh, similarly to last week, I found myself um wondering which side are they really speaking to mm. and and how do you like like they're still in some ways talking about censoring mm-hmm. you know so anyway so it's just it's both sides are doing it so it's mm-hmm. just anyway that I, I've so I've been wrestling this is good stuff yeah I think yeah, I, I, I'm I'm with you entirely because it it made me think about um some of the ways that I'm thinking about this because I feel like you know Recently, um, the current president and his administration were put in the place of essentially apprehending folks who were insurrectionists, you know, go finding out uh, folks in the administration who have been placed there by the previous administration, mm-hmm. firing them. And um, it, it's kind of it, it has echoes. Right. And I don't I don't want to go so far as to say, like that this is like it's a parallel you know Mm -hmm. like we gotta be careful or whatever i don't want to go there but i think it does underline the question of like what did you ask last week just like you were saying which is like what if what if we were the ones Mm -hmm. who were taking the place of the of sati or in this episode or last like last week what if what if it was our friends who were doing what cisco Mm -hmm. did uh Mm -hmm. or our enemies doing what cisco did Mm -hmm. and it, it i think I think the distinction, I think, has to be on, which is where some of the stuff that I've been talking about, about the subjective ideas of these moral dilemmas, the, mm-hmm. uh, the the difference between an objective solution to each of this versus saying that these situations have to be dealt on a case-by-case basis and we cannot create an objective solution, right. uh, I think, I think comes to, again, is highlighted for me because... Um, there might be situations in which it is okay to like place somebody under surveillance because of a of a uh, a suspicion, mm-hmm. as long as you're transparent about it, perhaps. But anyway, that's getting into the weeds with the whole Tarsus question. So I don't yeah. want to do that. But but it just yeah. highlighted the importance of subjectivity and who we place in positions of leadership and whether we trust them mm-hmm. to use that subjectivity well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I felt like this this episode. Uh, especially in the beginning was really good at having kind of a slow ramp up to some mm. of this stuff. Cause I, I feel like th- towards the end, we went a little bit uh, off the rails and like, just turned it into like, well, we only have like 12 more minutes. We need to go <laughs> full on tribunal with this thing. Like, like yeah. we're, we're going to start executing everyone on the, on the ship uh, just to uh, hype up the drama. But it, uh, there were, there were a lot of like really interesting small points mm-hmm. uh, going throughout where, it, I, I was kind of thinking like, well, I mean, it's a 
like this this is a military structure like and this is a ship like there are a lot of people on this ship and it's an important mm-hmm. starship like it it does make sense to do some trades of of security for uh in in response yeah. to freedom freedom's uh restriction or whatnot but mm-hmm. it's uh so so yeah, I, I found a, a, hand, a handful of moments where I was like, I, I don't know if you if you're quite on the mark, Picard. I mean, I, I know mm-hmm. you're going to be correct at the end, but uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, I, I just I, I felt like a lot of that was was pretty well done, uh, especially in that beginning section. Totally, I will say so. We we've watched this episode the most, I think, out of any Star Trek episode of all time. I mean, Max and I first started dating. I think there was a time when Max was like, I just want to watch really good Picard. Uh, speeches so we're gonna start with the drumhead and we're gonna come back around to the drumhead <laughs> i've watched this a bunch but what i what i think i really recognize in this this viewing that i hadn't really picked up on before so much is that like the how complicit so many other people are in this particular story because mm-hmm. for the for the first two or three times that i've seen this episode i really focused on Satie because first of all she's an incredible actress and she and uh, uh uh, Patrick Stewart have like a really great chemistry and they're really, really oh, yeah, like, excellent, excellent in, in, like in scenes together. So good. But then like Sabin is just as complicit because he is pushing it too. like he he could as a beta be like, you know, I'm actually not super sure. I just know that he's lying about something. He, so he could hit his, his role. And then Worf is like whole mm-hmm. hog, like jumping in. Um, and so there are, you know, it, it, we there's a sort of the position of, of uh, uh, Picard being like the the voice of reason in this episode, but it also just for like at this moment really gave me a lot more feelings of um, other people could have done different things and could have contributed to maybe cooling the jets a little bit. And because other people made the choices to jump in to worry about security to this level um, without really worrying about evidence that really set the irons in the fire a lot faster um, mm-hmm. It also makes me wonder a little bit about Star Trek, about the Federation law, like legal code. Like, what are the, what are the, um, what's the probable cause? What are like this? What's the smell test for probable yeah. cause in this situation? Is it just like whatever Admiral Satie thinks is right because she's so trusted and respected? Is it what are the smell tests here? You know, I it it made me think a lot about like. If it's just, if we're basing the Fed, the Federation legal code off of like we have we believe that you know, captains or admirals or judges are going to act within their best moral compass mm-hmm. without really putting a lot of stru- structure there. That kind of, this is kind of what that would lead to yeah. in the end, you know? My, my, my feeling was that it, it was at least, because uh, Picard does make a mention uh, in his speech, like he says, and uh, this was a trial and some will say that it wasn't a trial, but it was like, I, right. my, my read on that was that it, this is something kind of like, she is, she's doing an, inv- an investigation and like, mm-hmm. this is sort of the, these are the people who are going to be placed on trial. So like, mm-hmm. I, I guess maybe a prosecutor, not that I'm that great with, with law and I should probably stop talking, <laughs> but like it, it I, I got the sense that this was sort of a, if someone, if she thinks someone's guilty it, at the, mm. I think it's probably then forwarded into they, they get court-martialed, but I, I'm right. not a hundred percent sure. Yeah. But yeah. It, that's never really been like a, uh, uh, nailed down in Star Trek. We, we haven't p- paid too much attention to like how things actually cuts. work. <laughs> yeah, uh, we know that there are at least seven guarantees. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and what, we know what one of them is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I, I think that was one of the things that I. I mean, maybe we can get into this with writing, but I feel like the dilemma element of this episode 
builds as the episode also mm-hmm. builds. Yeah. Like at first you're just like, yeah, th- they should be doing this. And then mm-hmm. in the middle, like you were saying, Adam, I was I was really not sure about the whole like Charsis situation. I could go either way on that front. Yeah. I think I think the only thing that I would be afraid of is the deception in his interrogation. But yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. if you suspect somebody, you got to be careful. Like you're in a mil- sensitive military installation. Mm-hmm. I think it is... Um, then after you know every step after that and it kind of seems to go to 11 after like stage mm-hmm. number two like right. it's yeah, just yeah, like yeah. boom like it, it goes like the captain is guilty now and it's like oh wait 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 <laughs> where did we go from here mm-hmm. um but again i think it is it comes down to whether you trust picard to be making those decisions mm-hmm. or whether you trust Satie because there mm-hmm. is you, you know like you're saying that that, that infrastructure element isn't there for us to depend mm-hmm. on so it comes down to who do we trust to right. be making these subjective calls and how good do we feel about them? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, you know, I, I think hearing all of you talk, um, I realize that it's it's difficult for me to be objective about this episode <laughs> just because, um, you know, I, I live for sort of these amazing Picard one-liners. It's probably my single <laughs> favorite thing <laughs> in all of Star Trek. And so... The line must be drawn here. Exactly. <laughs> we, oh my gosh, you guys, so real, real quick. Oh, we, so we watched, um, we're almost at the end of Deep Space Nine. We were watching um, the yes, third from I the last talk about. episode Sorry. last night. Yeah. And Quark says that yes, line. It's so, so good. good. It's so it is good. so great. Oh, what a good. And I, I guess that must have been right around the time that yeah, uh, I first think contact it was. came out. It's just, oh, it's so good. But anyway. So, oh, so I, you know, I, I love Picard in kind of that role, mm-hmm. really just kind of laying the law down on people. Um, and so for me, that that often kind of like covers up other flaws in yeah. terms of sort of storytelling mm-hmm. and writing and whatever. Um, but but I hear you. Know, you know, I think there is as much as I want to think of Picard as sort of the ultimate moral authority <laughs> who gets everything right. You know, I, I think there there is gray area here mm-hmm. in, in the sense that is, this is a military ship. It makes sense that they would need to take security, you know, seriously. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And especially when there's been literally like sabotage on the warp core. I mean, this is a serious threat. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it, it makes sense that they they would be pretty serious about this investigation. Mm-hmm. I think w- one of the things that and you can let me know if you if you want to ask it a different if you want to phrase this question in a different way. But I think for me, one of the core questions of this episode is, is it ethical when you're investigating one thing mm-hmm. that you find some other it's it's when does the investigation need to end because you know or do you endlessly investigate everybody and everything to find out like because you know all these things the the thing about tapel with picard comes up because he tried to stop an investigation into tarsus's grandfather that didn't stop when they found out the warp core sabotage was probably just yeah. Uh, it, 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 it wasn't caused by a, a being. Right. So what, what I think. Yeah. What I think is really interesting, and I think this is what, this is part of your point. Not sure what you're getting. Like last week, last week's episode in the pale moonlight. Like the the tension ramps up because the everyone's stakes get re-cemented. Like there's another casualty list. Everyone mm-hmm. believes exactly what they're doing, and then then they're proven right. Like, hey, this is still a really big deal. The stakes are still really high, and we're gonna continue on it even if it's not morally super clear or there's some wibbliness here. What I think is really interesting about this particular episode is what Notch just pointed out is like, ultimately the, the warp core was not sabotaged and it was actually an accident. And so then like 
the the question is not no longer like is there a saboteur on board there probably isn't a saboteur on board because there wasn't actually sabotage so then the investigation investigation into into Simon Tarsus is no longer relevant to the investigation of the warp core and right. so i guess the question that my this sort of connects to what, what i was thinking about with the probable cause here because Simon Tarsus did lie in his application he did does, has has continued to lie about his um history but he's no longer the subject of a tribunal he should no longer be under that level of investigation for that same issue so then like opening the the doors SAT does because he's like doubling down because she wants to be right in some way like opening the doors to the investigation to make other people feel like Simon Tarsus is guilty of something is then inappropriate Right, like it doesn't mean that you can't you can't it doesn't mean you can't investigate Simon Tarsus for being for for being untruthful, but it does mean that like the mode of investigation yeah. and the stakes for the investigation are significantly lower because he's not really right. he hasn't killed anyone he hasn't harmed anyone he isn't responsible for any sabotage. So if you're going to investigate him, which you have the right to do because he has committed some level of fraud, it it says it can't be at that at that at that eleven step situation yeah. it has so, to be down to a five something that I, I think is interesting is uh his the thing that he lied about in his application was like that his grandfather is of a particular race which like right. seems totally. like a very strange thing for that to be relevant I, I i imagine it there's there might be some level of like um like when you when you uh join certain parts you have like security background checks or like you you need to right. join some sort of a level of government like you have to mm-hmm. state whether you're like a foreign actor or like you need to have your your different ties listed out. But it, it's uh, I I don't know I I I was thinking about that uh, later on of just mm-hmm. like why do we care that like yeah. who your grandfather so, is? There are a few things that are happening in this episode though. Yeah. yeah. So um, the way Star Trek is written, they write it as though in the future we are colorblind. Right. Which we all know that's not Mm -hmm. the way, that's not Mm -hmm. actually the ideal, right? Like the ideal is not ignoring people's race. It's, it's recognizing and celebrating and, you know, anyway, it's, it's, it's not about making us all the same, but the, in the future, the way Star Trek is portrayed, we're all the same. It doesn't matter what our color is. Mm -hmm. Um, So the first thing they do when Satie comes on board is she introduces both of her aides by what, where they're from. Mm -hmm. So this is so-and-so, he's from Beta Z, this is so-and-so, and and she's from, Mm -hmm. you know, she states where Mm -hmm. they're from. I almost expected Picard to do the same thing because Satie did it, and Mm -hmm. Picard didn't, because of course they're totally colorblind on the Enterprise Mm -hmm. and in this idealized world, Mm -hmm. as far as we understand. But then, um, so I think that... They're kind of setting up that they're setting up Satie as a mm-hmm. big racist um, right. who cares that Simon Tarsus's uh, grandfather is Romulan. Like that mm-hmm. matters to her. And that's why he becomes part of the conspiracy. Right. I don't think it's as much because he lied on his application. I think it's right. because his grandfather's Romulan. Right. Because yeah. and you see that coming out in the um, in her aid, the Betazoid. Mm-hmm. I can't remember his name, but, um, uh, but Sabin, the, I think. Yeah. Sabin, thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that comes out in Sabin because he start he makes a snide comment about Worf, uh, right. later in the episode because Worf's father was, you know, allegedly, uh, Romulan, uh, whatever. I can't remember what the, what were the collaborators. So, so there's that going on, but I also, the other thing that came to my mind when you're talking about why would Simon Tarsus lie about his grandfather being Romulan? Now, granted, he clearly knew his grandfather was Romulan and he knew that mm-hmm. he lied on his. But, you know, it could also be like there was just like when 
think about how the Romulans were looked at in the original series generation. Right. Right. Which the Romulans are still looked at like that in Next Generation, but it's probably a mm-hmm. little different. But how racist you see the that person on the bridge in which is which one is it? Is it um it's not uh what's the episode about when they're going to uh when they find out that Romulans look like Vulcans? Balance of Terror. Yeah, Balance of Terror. Like you see that racism in that in right. that episode. Yeah. Um mm-hmm. and so if you think that's probably around the time his grandfather was anyway so you can just see there are things that are that are kind of filtering that way but i also think about not to like go off on too big of a tangent but it also (laughs) brings to mind um the number of people in our country who maybe didn't know that they had native american ancestry because Mm -hmm. there was such a stringent effort by our nation to erase and mm-hmm. to re, uh, re-culture or whatever, it's like, but just to erase and quote-unquote civilize, which is disgusting. Assimilate, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. You know, yeah. And, and really try to, right. to get rid of any, any trappings of, of being Native American and make them be mm-hmm. like a white person, you know. Mm-hmm. I, no one right. can see my quotes, obviously, when we're listening to <laughs> I think you can hear them. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but I also started thinking about that, too. Like, you, I mean, you just, you also have people that have been part of efforts to erase um, backgrounds mm-hmm. and erase um, a person's origin so that mm-hmm. they may not even know it for themselves. Totally anyway, right. so I just feel that a bunch of those things. Well, came yeah, I think it's, I think it's fair to, to, to think about like, I think last week we talked a little bit about like, what does it look, what does this look like from the Romulan perspective for like a completely different idea, but like to mm, be yeah. a Romulan person or somebody who's part Romulan who experiences that level of racism or was worried about experiencing that level of racism. Like if I can't, if I join the Academy and I can't get anywhere because I'm part Romulan, like he's, he's passing in order to have a quality of life that he, that he wants. And like, and Satie showed that he needed to lie. Right. Exactly. Like, like she the way, proved it. Absolutely. Yeah, she right. doubled down on it. And I think one of the things that I, I noticed too, that sort of re- relates to what Emily was talking about was Satie's kind of fetishizing of Worf a little bit. When Worf comes on and, and he's like, he's a, he's a Klingon, but he's in a Starfleet uniform. So he's like one of the good ones. And she's yeah. like, oh, I really want to use you in my interrogation. And Worf's like, shit, dope. I want to be using an interrogation. I like when I get lots of like respect and stuff. Like there's like a level well, of like buying into that too. I don't know. I think I'd, so. So with Worf, you know, that this is another thing that was happening in this episode is that Jadan primed Worf for that mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And by, by, by bringing up his dishonor and his right. potential, like, by by saying that hey you're a Klingon too buddy like help me out let's I'll, hook me I'll up with you. a shuttle <laughs> you know and so he was ready to like he was feeling like he had to prove himself mm-hmm. and then I'm mm-hmm. I, I I wonder about how Sati and Sabin used Warp whether they they yeah. just saw him as kind of a tool and that could be used until they kicked him out too and mm-hmm. um, because and and how much of it had just become a case of whack a mole with them where they were just seeing traitors around every corner mm-hmm. and anybody who wasn't like on their side straight mm-hmm. line beyond uh, who wasn't like a species that was beyond suspicion like our Klingons are potentially enemies so all Klingons are bad it was it was some of that and I think um w- one other one other big dilemma that I think we we should kind of throw out there is when and maybe discuss a little bit further i think it has been thrown out there but discuss a little bit further is when is it appropriate to to 
cast suspicion and to surveil somebody because I think that's the big one here where we could really maybe dis disagree with Picard a bit right um is is was it right like if we look in the episode with Tarsus specifically you know knowing that he lied like before we we see Saban lying about the warp core or whatever mm -hmm. all we know mm -hmm. about Tarsus is right now Bethesda is telling us that he's lied about something big we're not entirely sure that this whole warp core situation was like we we don't know yet that the warp core was um not ma uh, being caused or whatever mm -hmm. all we know is that there's a possible conspiracy there's a person who's lying about something Mm -hmm. Should we surveil him? Like Picard started getting uncomfortable right at that point in the episode, if I'm remembering. Yeah, because yeah, there's, right. there's no there's no actual probable cause because there's no evidence for what he's lying about. Like that, I think that's a really important thing that Picard points out. Like we well, don't have any evidence for what he's lying about. Well, the, but, right. like he he is a he has a known connection to uh, to Jajan. So like the, the, right. it's I don't I don't think it's quite like completely evidence-free because like we know that he was also specifically involved with like giving him injections mm -hmm. so like there's some possibility of a of something going on uh yeah so i i, I don't feel like it's it's quite in the uh completely off the rails territory mm -hmm. yet yeah i think that the the answer to that question, Notch, depends so much on sort of the the lens through which we're we're viewing this dilemma. And so I'm, mm -hmm. you know, I'm thinking of friends of mine who work in um, government, mm -hmm. who work in sort of defense related positions, mm -hmm. and I wonder if they would see this episode probably pretty differently than than I do. And I I think that you know when you're living in that kind of world, your mind, you know, over time, and I think the more you're sort of um, into sort of that type of approach, uh, it moves to a place where you are a little more suspicious and you view mm -hmm. things a little bit more skeptically. Um, there's a there's a line that Satie has where she says she's talking to Picard and kind of giving a little backstory on herself, and she says, um, "I don't have friends, but I do have a purpose." And mm -hmm. I, you know, I think you know maybe maybe that's just a throwaway line, but but mm -hmm. for me, the way I read that is. Um, this is someone who is extremely single-minded. There's only mm -hmm. one thing that she cares about. And I think that's where the danger lies. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm, I'm not somebody who lives in that sort of security kind of paranoid world. Uh, and so for me, mm -hmm. when, when I hear someone talking about, you know, this is my purpose, this is all I care about, right. all I'm here to do is, you know, accomplish this mission. I don't really care about anything else. That's when red flags kind of start going off for me. Mm -hmm. I want I want to just jump on that because there was a line in the scene in the in the briefing room where Sabin and Satie and that other person whose name I now forget are talking to Picard and they're talk they have they talk about the surveillance question. Satie says something after what I'm about to say, but her line starts with "We will have the evidence." It's mm -hmm. not "We will." Yeah. We are looking for, looking the, for the evidence. evidence right? yeah. mm -hmm. we we're we're it. seeking mm -hmm. to find mm -hmm. or to be saved. So we will we'll get them. Uh, yeah. And and I think you're absolutely right. I think it's again the intention you go into it with. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. What I thought was you really interesting. Oh. Go, ahead. go. Ahead. No, you go. Oh no, I, was, I, was, <laughs> I wanted to jump on one thing that Max said. Yeah. I I made a note that said Satie shows the importance of self care. Yeah, um, seriously. Because like the whole 
the necessity of of actually having some time that you spend with your family and having friends like like it's really important and you can see how important it is by her behavior yeah well there's there's this endless kind of there's endless feedback loop between Satie and Sabin and space bun lady you know there's like this like we're right you know we're right we're done we've done this right like there's this endless sort of feedback loop and what's been really interesting is I think that this episode more than even like all of the of Deanna Troy's episodes where she's like wrong about stuff and you're like, well, how could you be wrong? You're supposed to be able to really be empathetic to people. Like it really highlights that there are limitations to Betazoid powers, right? Like I know he's lying. I know he's hiding something. I know he's afraid. And because of that, I'm going to assume that he's afraid for this reason. I'm going to assume that he's lying for this reason. And I'm going to, we're going to put on him because he's lying about something, some level of duplicitousness that is not related to, that is related to my investigation. It's about me and my investigation. And that's why he must be lying. And so then this feedback back loop happens where they're not ever breaking out of like this mindset, like Max and Emily were saying, like, there's no family time. There's no friend time. There's no relaxation. It's always, I'm investigating, I'm finding this evidence and I'm right consistently yeah. over and over again yeah. and it for me to me it brings up a lot of questions about prior investigations you know because then in the in the in the captain's log picard is like oh she was part of this really really successful investigation back here and you're like what the fuck happened in that investigation tng's conspiracy with the worm aliens so yes oh my god <laughs> i just wonder she was like everybody's a worm alien everyone's a worm alien <laughs> Shoot them! Yeah, and maybe they were. So, so yeah, yeah. like she became super know. paranoid because it, it actually was true in that case. <laughs> she, pre- yeah. she prevented that from becoming a bigger arc in uh, Next Generation. Man, and if only the... If only the writing in early Next Generation had been better, Sati would have lived a better life. That's true. <laughs> yeah. This episode um, needed more worms. <laughs> um, okay, well, is there other moral dilemma stuff we want to talk about? Because otherwise we should take a break and talk about writing. Uh, th- there was one little little tiny thing that I I thought... I, I th- like, this episode has so many great, like, complications that it introduces where... Uh, so we just uh, were talking about uh, the... Um, uh, the Betazoid who was uh, helping out in the interrogations, mm-hmm. uh, and we saw Troy earlier on. Like it, mm. it, it was. I, I saw. I thought it was really interesting uh, hearing Picard sort of think through. Like, oh, would I use uh, mm-hmm. Counselor Troy yeah. in this kind of mm-hmm. situation? And he's like, and I probably. You know what? I probably would detain. They did at the beginning of their... the episode. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, yeah. like yeah. I probably would yeah. would do this uh, based on just on her suspicions, and I need to I need to examine like, maybe that. I and I was like, anymore. I was like, mm-hmm. oh. Picard like knows about like uh, other things that we we've been learning <laughs> in like the 2010s or whatever. It's like white people realizes that there's some things that you're doing uh, in your everyday that you maybe you need to reexamine that and like like I'm just try to try to come to grips with it a little bit. The impact of that. <laughs> yeah, maybe a little self reflection. Um, I just want to jump in on on kind of this uh, this Betazoid piece real quick here because um, I, I had a pretty strong reaction to it. I, I really appreciated this sort of. Um, 
I guess, wrinkle in, in sort of the moral mm-hmm. dilemma here. Um, specifically, I think because of my work in the mental health field. Mm-hmm. And so I think the the debate that we saw here reminded me a lot of how psychology and psychological evidence is used mm-hmm. in court. And the distinction that Picard makes between a counselor and an investigator yes. uh, is one that I think about, you know, pretty much every day mm-hmm. that I'm doing my job. And, um, you know, p- different people have different takes on on sort of how you how you ought to think about that. But, you know, I think for me, um, the the evidence about using psychological testing, psychological mm-hmm. evaluations in courtroom settings is shaky at best. Mm-hmm. And so I think that it can be useful, but you need to approach it with some skepticism. And mm-hmm. I think really that's in the end, kind of where I saw Picard landing, and I, and I appreciate kind of that nuance to his thinking mm-hmm. where, I mean, sure, yeah, it, it is good to have these Betazoids around kind of providing this kind of insight. But at the same time, you need to, you need to think about context, you need to think about sort of the mm-hmm. situation, uh, how you're applying the evidence, all these sorts of things. Is there an episode where someone tries to like, have a Vulcan mind melt to like, find out the truth? And like, I think oh. so. Yes. Yeah, yeah definitely. For sure is. What is... Is there? Is it? There's, I think there are several. Several. There's one in the original, real, original series, definitely, and then there's one in. Obviously, TV they movies. do it in the. They do it in uh, Undiscovered Country. Yeah. Right. Yep. Right. But I know it's. I know they do it. I can't think of which episode well, it is, but I know it's in an episode. I feel mm-hmm. like in Undiscovered co- Country, it's like there's not even a discussion. It just happens, We're just and do it's it. like yeah. it's mm-hmm. it's assault, mind and, rape. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and and so it's like. I'm wondering if there's actually an episode where there's like they actually grapple with the ethics of it even and I don't know I can't remember Um, I feel like they do some they I know that they use mind melding to go back and try to figure out some of the stuff that seven mm-hmm. had experienced. Yeah. I, I mean, oh, and so it would have yeah. been consensual, right? But it was still, but there were definitely. I feel like they kind of touched on some of the fraughtness. Is yeah. that a word? But um. I think what that. I think I think that's, that really marks that there's a line of demarcation there of like old sci older sci fi older style sci fi and newer style sci fi where a lot of like we have a lot of cool powers from like different species different races or different like people with different mutant powers or whatever mm-hmm. and like in old sci fi it's like look at this sweet ass power let me use this sweet ass power look how cool that is isn't that convenient to the end of this episode awesome we're just gonna roll on past this one and then newer kind of sci fi like um. I mean, this is not new, new, but like Fringe, for example, really grapples with like the ability to to read minds and like why you shouldn't be able to read minds and why people should have their privacy and like people with mind reading powers are like I'm gonna live far away from other people because I'm I'm constantly violating other like that 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 the mm. wrestling with different powers even if they're you know powers that your entire species has and once you're no longer with your species, then you have a really different level of moral responsibility. And a different level of, of a burden of care because there's not there's not usually not another Betazoid there to be like um I read the same thing but I think it might be we need to like hold our horses for a hot second kind of stuff. Well, the other thing that's interesting is they kind of use Sabin as though his uh, powers are similar to Deanna's, but they right. shouldn't be. Actually, no. he's mm-hmm. right. he should be able to do tell uh, you know oh, he's right. telepathic. He's right. not empathic. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So they kind of and 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 that could be an ethical thing. It could be that beta you know Betazoids have decided that mm-hmm. it's ethical for them to not be reading 
another species right. mind if they're not able to do that in return you know That's so fair. it could mm-hmm. be that he's just that he's kind of shut that part off and he's just going off mm-hmm. or it could be that he knows emotions. the full truth and doesn't give a shit too like yeah because it just feeds well. into the conspiracy right. mm-hmm. yeah well mm, I, I think it's it's time for us to take a break we'll come back discuss uh this episode further in terms of its writing characters maybe some memorable moments and other trivia he refused to answer the question about his Romulan grandfather. That is not a crime, Worf. Nor can we infer his guilt because he didn't respond. Sir, if a man were not afraid of the truth, he would answer. Oh, no. We cannot allow ourselves to think that. The seventh guarantee is one of the most important rights granted by the Federation. We cannot take a fundamental principle of the Constitution and turn it against a citizen. Sir, the Federation does have enemies. We must seek them out. Oh, yes. That's how it starts. But the road from legitimate suspicion to rampant paranoia is very much shorter than we think. Something is wrong here, Mr. Wolf. I don't like what we have become. Welcome back to Strange New Takes. We're discussing the drumhead, which isn't just something Mariner says in Lower Decks. It's actually an episode of Star Trek The Next Generation, which if you've got to this point and you haven't figured that out, I don't know how you got here, but teach us your ways. (laughs) All right, we're going to talk about uh, writing on this episode. And I, I have a quibble with something that we discussed in Strange New Takes, and y'all can let me know if y'all bumped on it uh, and and what your feelings are, uh, because we discussed it a little bit with, with Dinah's already, mm-hmm. which is Satie's whole reason for losing it at the end. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like maybe some of this has to do just with the pacing of the episode, is that the last act seems a little rushed, mm-hmm. but what seems to prompt Satie to lose it is hearing her father's like goat used against her and it's almost like for me it had a little bit like daddy issues kind of writing which i don't (laughs) like um i i I wasn't a big fan but maybe there's a more sophisticated way to read the situation and diana you you laid that out for us earlier but i i i i didn't I, i just thought that the ending was just not credible like that's what takes her down like her hearing about her dad and then she's just like Ah, I'm a crazy lady. I have 500 cats in my room right now. Uh, you know, like, it, it was that kind of writing to me. It was almost, and then Admiral Henry's like, she has obviously become hysterical. I'm going to walk out of the room. It kind of, like, smacked of that yeah. for me. Yeah. Well, yeah. Was just, the the, the look that Admiral Henry gives her while she's freaking out is so priceless. It's incredible. Uh, right? It's, it's, it's just like, like, hired, hired to have no lines is, is awesome. I, I felt like that was just that we as the viewer just had to mm-hmm. be like, ah, this lady has clearly lost it. And, and... I, I didn't think that there was a, like I I thought that as a viewer I wasn't being treated to like a sophisticated like takedown mm. of mm. a person who was clearly gone paranoid but we were I feel like it was too tropey in mm. my yeah. in my reading of the situation and I mm-hmm. did not appreciate that. I mean I think I think it's I think it's a fair criticism but I I will say that uh, and I won't say that I loved every single piece of writing in this episode because I it's it, that's that's rare that's rare for me but I think where <laughs> We differ, though, is that um, Satie is clearly very fixated on her dad and her dad's um, background, her, her, his his sta- status as a judge. 
and she's based her entire career, not because she's not intelligent, because she clearly is intelligent, but she's based a lot of her career on sort of carrying on her dad's legacy, on being like the natural mm-hmm. heir to her dad's intelligence. Like he, she was the one who won all the, the, the dinner table debates. She was the one who out argued her brothers. So there's a level of competition potentially. Um, but she, she's isolated herself so much and done exactly what her dad told her to do. So, and, and, and has been open about this this whole time being like, I, I live in the shadow of my father. I love him. I look up to him. He mm-hmm. was great. I, he taught me great things, blah, blah, blah. That when Picard basically is like, yo, your dad would disagree with you. And here is the time, here's the line item that I'm reading to you about how your dad would read the situation. Potentially she, that her, something really fundamental about her personal history and her personal identity is challenged in a way that potentially has never been challenged before. But I think it hit something really deep within her that it seems like for, for me, my read on this, this, this time watching it was a very deep level of imposter syndrome, like potentially that she could, even though as intelligent as she is, as uh, successful as she is, she maybe could not have reached that level of success, uh, success uh, without her dad's legacy, without her dad's name. And that, Mm -hmm. you know, I understand that there's like, why can't she be, you know, successful on her own merits? But like, at the same time, this is a story that is real. This is a real story that a lot of people experience and live. And if she were a man in the same position, we wouldn't be like, why can't he be successful in his own right? Like, this is a re- this is the kind of person mm-hmm. who exists. And nepotism mm-hmm. is a thing that mm-hmm. exists. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it, it affects men and women and non-binary people. Like, they're, 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 it's not just, like, we, she she can't just be... A, a character who's made it on her own and kicked ass and taken names just because yeah, she's a woman either. Like, you no, know what I mean? There's, yeah, yeah, there's no, a level I, here where like, we're asking for more than a realistic character every single time. I, I didn't, I, it wasn't her place. It was more just, I thought the sexist tropes that I, I, I think I, I, at least I perceived, and this might mm-hmm. be a perception issue rather than an mm-hmm. actual writing issue mm-hmm. was more that, that, that the thing that makes her go like unhinged that then, reveals that she's off in a paranoid place in a paranoid delusion right. rather than a stable person and everyone abandons her like the thing first of all i thought that the speed of that was a little yeah. excessive okay. but yeah. we can mm-hmm. discuss that with the pace but i really i i just thought that it, the writers i felt like they mm-hmm. were the, the leap that they wanted me to make like you were i think dina in, in uh two weeks you were talking about like what the writing wants yeah, us to do mm-hmm. versus how we read it i felt like that was this intention of the writers it's just like ah, she's just come unglued and here's <laughs> these, these sexist tropes that we want you to conjure up yeah i guess yeah. i conjured those but that might not have been the writer's intention or it might just be my perception and y'all might disagree with totally. me I, would... I, I think I'm 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 on the same page with with you on on that notch. Like it, yeah, it, it's it's um, I get where you're coming from though, Dinah, with the uh, that it's it's sort of like a because she's a woman, we want her to be like more perfect in mm-hmm. a, a character. Mm-hmm. So it it's right. it's almost like uh, like uh oh, a woman's here. So like let's let's like in the name of feminism, let's defend her in a sexist way or something. Right. <laughs> but um, it's I. Uh, I guess I, I, in terms of the, like the speed of the decline, I, I guess I'm kind of, I feel like the way that we sort of revealed her to become just completely unhinged at the end also undermined some aspects of like what Picard was talking about, where like there are certain, like we need to always be vigilant essentially because like mm-hmm. these types of people will take advantage 
of uh, chaos uh, right. happening. And like, that's just something that we always need to understand that they're always present. And um, yeah. the, I, I feel like since we just sort of revealed that she's just crazy the whole time, it undermined that a little bit. Uh, something's happening at Emily. See, yeah, something, something is happening to Emily. <laughs> Sorry, uh, there's a dog's just gas coming out of my dog. Yeah. Oh, I'm trying to hold it together. You're if fine. We, you're if fine. we okay. one day we don't have anybody to record episodes and I have to do a clip show, like, oh no, Notch got into an injury and now he's got to be on a sick bay bed, reliving all the best moments of this podcast. That clip is going to yeah. be in there. <laughs> okay, God, I'm so sorry. It's like I was trying to ignore it, but it's like making my eyes water. <laughs> Okay. Oh. I don't know what he ate. Okay, Adam, I'm Are so sorry. Are we sure this isn't Romulan sabotage? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, essentially, what, what I what I'm thinking is that it's because we revealed her to be crazy. It's it takes away that point of that this is something that we always do, need to be mm-hmm. worrying about. Because I, I think that uh, maybe a, a more interesting way to do this would be, uh, as the episode's going along, people do believe her and trust what's going on. And well, it's yeah. it's more of a... Worf does. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it, it's sort of like a, oh, but Worf's doing that because of, like, he just wants to prove himself or whatnot. So I would say... So I, w- I don't know. I'm sorry. I don't... I, I, I want to... There's two things. I think I don't want to gatekeep what is and isn't sexist, so I'm not going to be like, it's not sexist, you should just believe me, because yeah. you're <laughs> very much... Uh, um, entitled to your opinion about it, but I think one of the things I want to just push back on for a hot second, and then I'll pass it on, is that I don't want to. I want to push back on the idea that she's unhinged, right? That she's just crazy, and that's mm. why she's upset. Like I don't think I don't think that's true. I think basically what happens is that she hands us she hands Picard the keys to herself in their conversation. They have a very frank conversation where they both admire mm. her dad. She hands him the keys to her vulnerability, her one vulnerability, and that's her relationship with her dad as we have established she doesn't have family she doesn't have friends she doesn't have Mm -hmm. children she doesn't have close relationships what she has is her job and her mission like max said and she has her love for her dad and so hearing picard and and very brilliantly be like you know your brilliant dad who you love so much he'd be fucking pissed at you right now basically Mm -hmm. by Mm -hmm. quoting his own thing back to her he hits a nerve within her that she can't stand. That does not mean that she's crazy. It means that she loses it for a hot second, and the admiral's like, and I think this is more personal than it needs to be, and I'm I'm out. Like, it doesn't mm. pass the test for me. But, like, then because she loses her temper and gets angry that she's now crazy, I think is also kind of sexist. never lose their temper. Right, they never yeah, lose their temper. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah, it's yeah, also yeah. sexist, right? Like, it's, it's <laughs> if, if she's, either she's just calm and chill the whole time, and she's always got it on lock, and she's also made it herself, or she's nepotistic, but then she's still super calm. Like, it, that's, <clears> that's <throat> a thing that I, ju- it just grates me. And it's not like, I don't know, like, I, I think it's very clear that it's a personal mission for her. And we don't really necessarily know how personal it is, but Picard, like, kind of throws some stuff at the wall and sees what sticks. And that's the thing that sticks because she's she she's been established the whole episode as this is the thing that she loves. This is the person that she loves. This is what inspires her on her mission. And, yeah, she probably doesn't feel like she's a worthy successor to her dad but wants to be anyway. And this is the only personal story or detail that she has held on to besides what she's doing in her job and you know that's what makes oh. her freak out yeah i'm gonna go ahead yeah 
Well, this just, so I'm not going to go into too much detail, but there was an episode I recently saw of The Expanse <laughs> that highlighted that so much because there was a, there was a, you know, table full of people having this discussion about what the next step was going to be. I'm not going to tell you what season I'm on or anything. It's such a good so show. I'm not ruining oh, anything. Show, yeah. But um, anyway, so there are people sitting around a table and one of the women says, are we sure we really want to respond this way? You know, this could happen. And one of the men says, you know, we need to not be dictated by emotion. And I'm like, holy hell, you men are being dictated by emotion. <laughs> You're time. being dictated by your need for revenge mm -hmm. and your anger. Right. And mm -hmm. so when someone mm -hmm. is, is processing something out of their grief, why are you suddenly saying that's the only way that right. it's that's your responding mm -hmm. to emotion. And it was like, so, like the mm -hmm. most sexist mm -hmm. thing I've seen in a while. Mm -hmm. I mean, and it wasn't, I mean, they were doing it on purpose. Right. Obviously. Yeah, it wasn't because yeah, yeah. I thought the writers of the expanse were sexist. That wasn't no, what right. was playing. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I so I can, uh, that just kind of, you know, yeah. kind of tricked that mm -hmm. in my, I, I yeah. yeah. And, and I, I, the question I have is this, if it was Riker saying what Satie had said, right. those same words would Admiral, like, would the next scene be Admiral Henry getting up and being like, Hmm. I gotta leave. And I agree, I think the most plausible and sophisticated explanation for this is what you're saying, which is that it become too personal. Mm -hmm. I just don't know if that the writers were, if that's where they went with it, if that's that's what their goal yeah. was. If, well, I think you're right, you're, you're right in saying that the last 12 minutes of this episode are like very packed with stuff that should have gotten more space. One of the things that I notice about this episode is that because Gene Simmons and Patrick Stewart have such fucking incredible chemistry in this episode, like they play off each other so well. They're so good. Sati is Gene Simmons, who's the actress. Yeah. And um, they spend a lot of time on scenes between the two of them, where potentially the story could be better served by having, say, Riker talk to Picard and, and kind of double down a little bit on what Worf is like, hey, listen, isn't it, isn't it maybe, like, worthwhile to, you know, in investigate, you know... Um, Mm. what's his face or if uh you know if there's 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 a, a chance to breathe a little bit more in the end courtroom scene by taking some of that time away from the Satie and Picard scenes like I think that I think those are, those are really valuable critiques but I just I want to just flag that like if we're asking for a character to be perfect because she's a, a powerful woman <laughs> That's that's where I'm I'm struggling with that yeah, conversation. I, no 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 right. I don't think it's yeah. perception it's more just that we're made to make the leap that because this person has an emotional outburst, mm -hmm. yeah. that then then it's all over. It's it's done. Yeah, we yeah. are finished. Like it is over. Like look, yeah. we got her. Like you know. I read that they like hired this guy for the, the admiral, and they're like, you're not gonna have any lines because we don't. We have two hundred dollars right. left in the budget. <laughs> you just you just frown and you leave because someone has right? an emotional outburst. It it just yeah. didn't. Yeah. And maybe yeah. it's just it's it's maybe it's the sexism is more is is more perceived, and it's more just the fact that the conclusion isn't something I'm happy for, and so I'm mm -hmm. trying to create a reason. Yeah. Or something yeah. like that, maybe. I, I don't know. But I just wasn't happy with the fact that we're just... That one outburst means that everything else that this character has done is now invalidated. That's fair. And that yeah. we... I feel like a more sophisticated treatment of that conclusion of why we should, like... Of the exposure of the paranoia mm -hmm. would have made me feel a little bit satisfied. Um, and I think that's that's basically yeah. where it comes down to it. I think you touched on that with maybe the, the, if we had cut down some of those scenes, but we had added some more to the ending. Mm -hmm. um, maybe that would have given us some more uh, there. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know what this made me think of is a movie that came out a, about a year after this episode came out. A few Good Men, right? Like mm -hmm. you have Jack Nicholson uh, at the end there uh, giving his like emotional outburst and then it's all over and we all go away. 
Right. Um, I think the thing that I was kind of missing in what Satish said is that like, which which happened in Nicholson's speech that ended up, that was like a mic drop, drumhead, mic drop, uh, was, uh, was that Nicholson confesses to doing illegal things, like clearly mm-hmm. illegal things. And I, right. with, with everything that Satish said, it was like emotional statements and they were very loaded. Right. But there wasn't like an, a clear thing where I was like, yeah, you're a crook now. Like you are clearly mm-hmm. like a, lock her up. You know, like mm-hmm. it, there wasn't that moment where it was like, oh shit, she went there. Uh, like I think, in, yeah, what I yeah. I think you know? I think one of the I think the, again we sort of reached the limitation of the the forty three minutes where we saw in Pale Moonlight like you can do a lot in forty three minutes we also saw in Two Vix that you can do very little in forty three minutes. Doctor Mister Two Vix, right? And so this is it's it's a uh, you know there's it's not like. I don't want everyone to be like, you know, episodes are only 43 minutes, so we can't expect these things from stories because short short stories do work and can be really powerful. So I don't want to be like, that's a, that's a cop-out. But I think that they're, that we, what we learn about Sati in the time that we have is that she is very unwill, unlikely to admit that she is wrong. She is very unlikely to back down from an argument. She's much more likely, to, and she does this over the course of the entire episode, she um, uh, escalates. And is like I'm I'm doubling down. I'm right. Everyone's going to see that I'm right, or they're just going to assume that I'm right because I'm opening this investigation to the public or whatever. Blah blah blah. Yeah. And so the only time we really get with Satie where at, where she has to grapple with realistically with the results of her her actions is when she's left alone in the courtroom after the admiral storms out. And there could be a moment there of like, fuck me, that I I made choices and they were poor. Um. But I think the issue is maybe like. Satie doesn't actually grow that much. Like, Satie loses, hates that she's lost, but she's not going to be in the situation of coming around to the end and be like, you know what, Picard? You were right. I was wrong. She's built up her whole life on being correct, so it's much more of... It's a huge loss for her that I don't think she has the emotional maturity and the humility to to to, to admit, if that makes sense. So yeah, yeah, I think it would be helpful to for her to admit that she was right, but I think that would be a, a character growth that might be a bridge too far for her. Well, yeah, I'm you know I'm looking at so I know Max loves the Picard speeches, <laughs> and I'm looking at what he says, like the quote that he uses for um, ju- of Judge Satie's mm-hmm. quote, and it just feels like that's not the thing that they really need to be pointing out is the flaw in what she's doing. Right. So with the first link, the chain is forged. I have a question for you. Does he say the sp- the first speech censured or the first speech censored? Because the way there's a difference. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um and the way the the um subtitles yeah. say it, they say censured. Yeah. You know, C E N S U R E D. Which mm. um anyway, so I just wanted to kind I of think, point I think that it out is cen- we're I think it about- is censured, not censored, like for because um I don't know. Anyway, so I just thought that that, you know, that was something mm-hmm. that kind of jumped out at me. But first thought forbidden, the first freedom denied, chain, chain us all irrevocably. Mm-hmm. That's not necessarily what she's doing. Right. And so, he, yeah, it's a great quote, but it doesn't actually pertain to anything. <laughs> and so yeah, yeah. Um, so, I, you know, that's I just feel like that we need to. We need to acknowledge that. That would be great if there was a robot chicken TNG where Picard just says great lines, but they have no relevance to what's happening. That's all you need. The rest of the show doesn't matter. Because because really what Picard, Picard needs to drop some, some sort of truth bomb that says, look, 
you are chasing this because this poor Mm -hmm. crewman has the unfortunate reality that his grandfather is Romulan and he felt the need to hide that because there was clearly prejudice that his family has experienced that led him to believe that he needed to hide he was Romulan. Right. Mm -hmm. So so that's what Picard needs to Mm -hmm. stick to. You know, like Mm -hmm. even when the evidence showed that it was not really evidence and it was circumstantial and it wasn't anything that could Mm -hmm. lead back to him, you still wanted to pursue this because there was some prejudice in you that was that was convinced and then you had to go look and see if there's any way that that some collaboration with Romulans could have been carried out by mm-hmm. Picard you know so she starts chasing this thing because of prejudice that's in her which are so that seems to me that's pointing at like how many people are lying in prison right now right. because of circumstantial evidence right. how many prisoners have been executed right. Because yes, of circumstantial, circumstantial evidence. evidence or no evidence, or evidence just has because been to be flawed. Yeah, absolutely. Right. You know, so those are the things that I feel Picard should have been shining yeah. a light on. Mm-hmm. This quote maybe was great, but it had nothing to do with what was happening in that courtroom. Mm-hmm. Well, in Picard's defense, <laughs> what? I think that he I think he does um, speak to some of those things in the one of the other speeches he gives in this episode. I think there are like four or five, but um, the the sort of pre-trial speech that he has to sort of ask for permission or sort of gives mm-hmm. himself permission to give. Um, I think he speaks to some of those things, but at the same time, I, I hear you. And to be honest, I've, I've sort of always thought that about the quote that you read <laughs> where like, I love that quote, but even like the first time that I saw this episode when I was, I don't know, like 12 or something, I was kind of like, wait a minute, what, like, is that really what, what this episode is about? Yeah. Well, it, make, it makes me think of like when, whenever Max wants to make fun of me, cause I'm very English, it, he like starts talking about Shakespeare. He's like, Diana, isn't all the world just a stage? Cause that's like a lot of famous line from Shakespeare. It just makes me think about that. Like maybe this is the one thing that he's memorized from. So he's like, you know what? You know what this makes me think of? That one famous paragraph that you're never going to hope. Four score score and seven years. You give him a stage and he just has to pontificate. That's all he knows how to do. I gotta get my pontificating finger out. Uh, I mean, I, I'm just going to say one other thing on this because I am belaboring this topic way too much. But if you read the, what Emily just said made me go back and read the line and on Memory Alpha, they have Satie's response right under it. Mm-hmm. And in my opinion, there's a reading of that, what she says, that's perfectly reasonable. Like there's not like that what she says is actually like completely understandable and it's no reason to like end the whole like proceedings. Like it doesn't prove anything. Like she's mad that he used her dad's name. Like, Okay, <laughs> why is that like a Wait, showstopper? What, what she, doesn't she say like How I've taken you? down bigger men, men than, than you, you, Picard? Like she ends it with with a real like this is personal, bitch. So there is yeah. a little bit of she's going. So yeah, how dare you bring my father's words back at me? Like there's a little like, this isn't relevant to the case. Yeah, but then like fuck you, I'm gonna end you. Is a little bit too much, I would say. For nobody ends Picard. If it's an interrogation <laughs> versus a court proceeding, like I. I yeah, okay. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna invoke the bill director for myself and just stop thinking about this too much, accept the reality that you've given me. It's just fiction, man. And and I'm gonna go with it. Um I'm gonna ask you all about um the the ending scene. Cause mm. we talked about Max, you, you brought it up like at in, I think we were talking about two weeks in terms oh, of yeah. Janeway where Looking Janeway the gets the like awkward look in the corridor. We saw it with Cisco where he's just like he gets a moment to consider it. options, but there was no standing in front of a window. You need, you need. Well, there, that. I mean, there kind of was though. That. No, because he was standing in front of a window, and then Worf came up to him, and he was like, "No, no, no." Captain. What I meant is, in, in, it's, it's Cisco. Not in, 
Oh, Cisco. Yeah, 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 yeah. Cisco. Yeah. There. But we yeah. finally yeah. got it, Jamie, Max. There wasn't. Your your prediction. Been waiting for it. <laughs> Every time. He knows. Although I, I'm I'm pretty sure I said ready room. They were in the conference room oh, this right. time, which was a little true. disappointing. Where I got but that's be. because you had two characters. Normally, it's just Picard by himself, but you had to work. But on I also there. I also so, think it's funny because like they they clearly had like two sets on this episode, and they were like, okay, he can't be in the the tribunal room. And he can't yeah. be also, in his uh, okay, ready room. Why so he's is there be... a tribunal room? I, right. I mean, whatever. That's all right. Notch, your your question. Let's. let's oh no no no, well, no! no! That was my question. It was just about the fact that we got. How do you feel about the fact that we got the like poignant oh. scene at the end? And <laughs> I love it. It makes you wonder if if Picardo's in the tribunal room, being like, I have to consider what's happened. Is there a window here? Let me go next door. I need a window somewhere. I want to go comfort myself in the most comforting room, which is the conference room. Well, I mean, I I love it. I mean. It's. I think it's. It's. There's something kind of dated and, mm. and maybe a little cheesy about it. But um, in terms of the sort of mm. you know moral play that I think Star Trek kind of set out to be and, and certainly was through I think the Next Generation. There's something about like putting a bow on it at the end. You know, kind of saying like, all right, here you go. Here's sort of Here's a little <laughs> like moral ethical mm-hmm. nugget you can take with you. Here's the lesson you've learned. Uh, go forth and and do this in the world. Mm-hmm. And you know, I think it's just me. I, obviously, I grew up with this. I, I find something very kind of touching and comforting mm-hmm. about that. But um, yeah. you know, but I also think what, what sets us a scene apart too, and and gives it a lot more legitimacy to exist. Besides, you know, Captain Picard just being really good, <laughs> being really good at staring out the window and thinking things deeply, is that Worf comes to him and talks to him about how he feels guilty about his part in the. In the in the proceedings, and I think that makes it, this scene a lot richer mm-hmm. and a lot more of a of mm-hmm. a of a moral story, and it makes it less about Picard too, which I think is a, a really good piece of this because Picard really isn't really a casualty of this situation. And he's been like, I thought this thing the whole time. It turns out that I <laughs> surprise, I was right. And Worf gets to you know have a time to process how he feels about his own participation, and I think that's really really worthwhile and makes the scene really good. And, and obviously that scene takes on a new meaning. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I think, you know, you don't need me to spell it out for you, but I think in, in 2021, having Worf kind of go in there and say, you know, I believed her. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was on board with this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I don't think that, whatever, Trump and, and Satie really have a whole lot in common, but still kind of the idea mm-hmm. of, um, you know, sort of a, a single-minded sort of powerful personality kind of coming onto the scene and, um sort of hijacking um, people's motives. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, it's it's still important. It's still relevant. Mm-hmm. And I think what Picard says about um, vigilance is is great. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I like that takeaway. And I think what um, it, that kind of also shat, like mirrors Satie, because Satie has been constantly vigilant this whole time. But there's vigilance with, like, empathy and vigilance with, like, self-care and vigilance with, like, not just single-minded focus of, like, I'm going to be vigilant to find people who are trying to defraud me versus, like, I'm just going to be vigilant and we're just going to keep our eyes open and we're just going to keep doing what we're supposed to be doing. I think there's a, there's, there's a bit of a foil there for Satie who has been constantly vigilant but has lost a good portion of her humanity as a result of that vigilance. And and she is Joe McCarthy, right? Like in oh, like, oh that for is, sure. That is, sure. That is this is this. But is her the hair skirt. is fantastic, and her earrings are spectacular, and her collars are wonderful. Like, listen, she's like Isma. Yeah, Joe McCarthy wasn't Joe McCarthy. exactly the uh, sartorial winner in the <laughs> in the in the fifties. Uh, but anyway, um, Jerry Taylor did write the script actually based on a story idea by Ronald D. Moore. Mm-hmm. Um, the Who's title of that script yeah. was "It Can't Happen Here," which was <laughs> based on 
witch hunts and McCarthyism explicitly. The other mm-hmm. thing about this episode that it, you actually picked up on Max a second ago is that this, or was it Dinah who mentioned that there were only two sets used? Um, this was actually Dinah did it. It was, mm-hmm. it was, uh, she's the one, get her! She's a Romulus, ah, she did it, she cost yeah, okay. Bring it back in. All the world is not a state. Sometimes you aren't an actor, not. You're not okay. a men and women, a man player. No. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> but this was an episode that was built to come in under budget. It was mm-hmm. simple, and and they actually considered a clip show, uh, a la that right, Shades of Grey, I think. Oh, that's the, horrible. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. They were thinking about that, and then Rick Berman was like, "No, let's not do that. That sucked." Uh, and so they decided to write a script that would come in under budget it's anyway. Super cool though, because Gene, so Gene Simmons, who is right. the the guest star on this episode, sorry, not to maybe stealing your thunder on this one, but she's like a super famous Hollywood actor. She was in Spartacus. She was Sarah Brown in the movie versions of Guys and Dolls, where she played opposite Marlon Brando. So she's like got a legit career in in Hollywood, and she. Um, it was really cool they were able to get her for, like, a, a bargain. I guess. Hopefully, hopefully she got paid. <laughs> like, well. But you know what I mean? Like, I think it's really cool because she, yeah. she really makes this this um episode she gets like gravitas yeah and like i mean the, t- the time when she's like talking to, oh, yeah. to captain picard about the borg and she her voice is just like so soft and like mm-hmm. empathetic and really umbrage and just like oh it's just like so good i don't know i, I think it, this doesn't read like a bargain basement episode you know i think it's, it's a really- second oh, yeah. umbrage reference in this episode <laughs> with all the cats sorry one important note about gene simmons also that we should know what we're talking about her She's a gigantic Trekkie and always was. Yeah, uh, so when she nice. showed up, it was it was a, a dream of Jonathan Frakes to work with her. So he was like over the moon that he got to direct her. And then she showed up and she was like, yo, I'm a big Trekkie in that voice. Uh, and so yeah, she should probably said yo a lot. <laughs> yeah, yo, I bet. I'm a big Trekkie. That's me. Look, when, when Margaret Thatcher met the Queen, who oh, one is a huge Trekkie? <laughs> yo, what's up, girl? I feel like, I, didn't I outlaw this voice at the beginning of the episode? You carried it through the middle of the end? Like, listen, get out of here, bro. <laughs> Another thing about Mr. Frakes. When the first speech is censured, <laughs> you cannot use that against me. I'm gonna. Oh, oh no! I have, I have to clap back and not you guys. <laughs> oh, no. oh, that was that was wonderful. That was wonderful. Um, according to Mr. Frakes, another thing about this uh, directing this episode is several shots in the episode were quote unquote stolen from courtroom films such as Judgment at Nuremberg. Mm-hmm. I'd like to believe Aaron Sarkin watched this and was like, hmm. I can do this, but with Jack Nicholson. <laughs> yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, but I don't know if that's true or not. Anyway, any final things about this episode that you all would like to discuss before we call a halt to proceedings and convict? <laughs> <laughs> I So I, one thing I'll, I'll kind of jump in here with real quick. Um, you know, it's kind of been interesting going back between different Star Trek mm-hmm. series and, and kind of thinking about the... Um, the ways that they differ in terms of how they mm-hmm. um, tell their stories, specifically kind of episodic content versus the longer story arcs, you know, that we see in DS9. And this episode had tons of references to other Next Generation episodes, which I thought was really cool. So mm-hmm. to name a few, uh, Conspiracy, Sins of the Father, Best of Both Worlds, mm-hmm. Family, Data's Day, you know, all of these are referenced and plot points from those uh, episodes are referenced. And so I-, I thought this episode was kind of cool as almost like a hybrid or sort of like mm-hmm. a middle ground in terms of storytelling mm-hmm. where it is a standalone episode, but it's very clearly situated um, within kind of the the history and the lore of mm-hmm. Next Generation. And I think mm-hmm. that's that's 
you know, an aspect of writing, I guess, mm-hmm. but I, I felt that that really gave it some depth that um, we sometimes don't see in, in other standalone episodes. For sure. And I, I've never understood why that isn't true, because that's such an yeah. immediate way to Just expand the that. lore. You know, like... Yeah. Like on, Voyager, it's not that hard. Like in Voyager, like any things happen, and they're like, yeah. Then you're just like, didn't that happen? Similar thing happened. Season one it might be relevant to like discuss it with yourself. Right. Nothing. Right. Like right. zero. And if you think about like if you think about it, Star Trek Next Generation has less of a reason to be super serialized than Voyager, where Voyager's like, we're on this one voyage trying to get back home. <laughs> Everything that happens on this voyage is very relevant. With TNG, like, there's much more... It's sort of built into the story, built into the, into the show design. Like, it's much more open to being episodic. It doesn't yeah. really have to be serialized. And yet, incredible episodes of this of this show really do harken back to other episodes. And we're like, hey, remember that when this thing happened, this this has weight still. You know, I think it, there's there's a reason that even... There's a reason to be episodic, but then there's also a reason to, to not lean on episodic... Uh, structure as like your only kind of structure this is why i would be 100 percent okay with a voyager kelvin universe movie series because i i want to like see anything them that's voyager, voyager related right. you'd be cool with <laughs> i just i just want them to do it right because like mm-hmm. i yeah. it grates on me that my favorite show had this like big glaring problem anyway this we one. need to we need we are very long this week so we need to get the strange new ratings so i want to hear what do you think about this episode? Do you are you gonna throw it in the gulag or not? Yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, I vote pro gulag. That's where I've always stood. I'm gonna stood on the pro gulag platform this whole time. I'm gonna give it a nine point five out of ten. It's super good. Could be a little bit better, but I love it. Close to perfect. I, you know, so I <laughs> I picked this episode as uh, one for us to talk about, um, and so. I, I recognize that it may have some flaws that we discussed today, and I don't care. I'm sticking to my guns. I am going to give this episode seven Federation guarantees out of seven. Yeah. And uh, I will also throw in there that this is um, one of Michael Dorn's two favorite episodes, and who mm-hmm. am I to argue with the son of Moog? Hey, we don't say Moog's name around here anymore. <laughs> Listen to Dan, get out of here. What are you doing? Uh, okay, well, I'll come in and disagree in just a tiny bit. This hits my rewatchability threshold, which I talked about, which is about a seven. Um, I think that there, I grade on the issues a little bit more. However, I think what the final scene did for me, I think, is soothe all those concerns and make me feel really good and come out thinking, that was, I learned something today. That was great. <laughs> Thanks, Picard, for finding the nearest window. So I'm going to give this an 8 out of 10. Okay. Um, so I th- I think I'm gonna go with a a nine for this one. I as as the episode was going, I was like, oh, this is de- this is uh, this show is amazing. Like this is a great <laughs> episode. Like there's so many things that are so well done, especially like in the beginning and as we're sort of building up. Uh, but but for for me, uh, I like I I get where where Dinah's coming from. So I, I think we had a really great discussion about it. But I. I, I think that they did some disservices to her character and to and I think in just sort of uh, uh, kind of crunching the end of the episode mm-hmm. uh, down that I, I think it, that knocks it full down from the perfect 10 for me down to a nine. Uh, but otherwise, it, it's a it is a fabulous episode. I just I don't think that it aged as well as, uh, for instance, uh, the one that we watched last week. Mm hmm. 
I'm going to go with 4.5 out of 5, um, which I think is what I gave it last week, too. Mm-hmm. But there's it's different reasons. Mm-hmm. So this one, I've oh, gosh, I've always last loved Last week you head. gave a 5, by the way. Spreadsheet never no, lies. I think I gave, no, I think I gave 4.5. Okay, you were, because remember, yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure I did. I think you gave a five. Did I give a five? I think you did, but I'm going to change your rating now. I'm going to go. I'm going to go back and listen. I can't remember now because I know I had that little. Oh, maybe it was just that I had the quibble about whether or not I thought it was a good episode to show. Yeah, you definitely brought that up for sure. But um, yeah, because that is a great episode. Um, so I love Drumhead, but it was funny this time when I watched it, and I still loved it. But really, it lost half a point because the the quote that he used has nothing to do with what's happening in the courtroom. <laughs> so I was like, ah, oh, like it's such a great speech, and it just lost its greatness because it didn't actually have a good parallel. Yeah. I, I would have just liked it if Picard was like, you know, this is a quote I've learned since I was a schoolboy. There is no red America. There is no blue America. There's the United States of America. Yeah. West it's Philadelphia, like, okay. born and raised yeah. on the playground where I spent most of my days. Yeah. <laughs> a great poet. <laughs> William <that>? Smith <laughs> said Wild Wild West <laughs> right um, um, anyway now I, I really just want to see that parody now well okay anyway we're at, at the end of our show so thank you Diana thank you Max thank you Adam thank you Emily for being here today with me uh, thank you Notch you Notch yeah, yeah thank yeah, you Rudy and Bill for existing and being awesome people we hope you're having a great day wherever y'all are thank you to you listener for showing up we always appreciate you being out there uh, having our backs talk to us on social media we'd love to hear what you have to say about our episodes thank you Jishnu Guha for recording our theme music he's got a podcast named Geek Fruit that you can listen to if you so wish he was recently talking to me about booking hotel rooms in Mumbai because I have, despite it being my hometown, I have gone there and lived, stayed in hotels at times because I traveled there for work. He has not. And he was like, I need a staycation. Talk to me about hotel Aww, rooms. And I was yay. happy to oblige. So I hope he's enjoying his staycation. <laughs> and thanks also to Admiral Henry and Space Bun Lady for being in this episode. <laughs> Space Bun Lady, her smug subpoena of Picard, it showed us just where we sit and where we should be emotionally with this episode. And then Admiral Henry just... Tell be like, I'm, oh, yeah, so I'm just good. gonna walk out of here, and then you gotta know when, that this court scene is done. So, <laughs> thank you for both of them and their emotional bow ties that they tied on things for us. All right, listener, we'll come back to you next week with the episode that I forgot City on the Edge of Forever. <laughs> so, go watch that. We'll come to you next week with that. Bye bye, everybody. Bye.